Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Mighty Father, in your mercy, you have called and gathered us here into this place so that we might receive the gifts of your Son, Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, we come before you confessing uh, the truth that our faith does not come here always as strong and mighty as we want to be. So have mercy on us and grant us your grace this day. Give us your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's no real surprises here with this gospel reading this morning, right? Like, we know what Jesus is going to do here. You got, P, you got Jesus standing there on the water, Peter right in front of him, up to his eyeballs and doubt and shame and uncertainty, and, he, and he's drowning right there. And it's like, no surprise, we know what Jesus is going to do. He's going to let him drown. No, it's not what he's going to do. He's going to pick him up and he's going to save him. He's going to carry him back into the boat, into the company of the worshiping disciples, filling him with fear and love and trust and praise. We know that's what's going to happen. We know that Jesus is going to be gracious. We've heard it before. So why do we need to come here and do it all over again? We know where this is going. Why do we need to come back here and hear again about the saving work of Jesus Christ? I don't really have a good answer for that, so I'm going back on sabbatical to see if I can find one. If you're cool with that, 10 more weeks? That No? Okay. Uh, That's not true. Uh, Actually, why we need to continually come back here is because as often as we have heard the story, as much as we know what's going on in this text and what's going to happen with this text, we have a really hard time believing it. We have a really hard time clinging to it in faith. It is very easy for us to fall into doubt and uncertainty and fear. We're very much, I think, like Peter in our reading from the Gospel today. I mean, if you think about it, if there's anybody who should know everything there is to know about Jesus, whose faith should be like the model of faith, who should be the one we look like and emulate in following Jesus, you would think it would be Peter. After all, think of where we're at here in in Matthew's Gospel. Think of all the things that Peter has seen and experienced up to this point. Peter has heard the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking with the authority of God and Peter believing the words that he is saying. And then Peter got to witness miracle upon miracle. He's seen Jesus tell the weather what to do from a boat calming the storm. He's seen Jesus take demons out of a person and put them into pigs and and throw them into the sea. Jesus has seen, or Peter has seen Jesus heal the sick and give sight to the blind. In fact, in our reading today, as the disciples are in this boat, Jesus has put them in the boat at the end of a very particular day. It was the day when Jesus had fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Peter had witnessed all of this. Peter had heard everything Jesus had had to say. Peter was the recipient and the beneficiary of all this working of Christ. So if there's anybody who should just quickly and almost blindly, not really blindly because of all he has seen, but just obey the word of Christ, trust the promises that come forth. If there's anybody who should be clinging to Jesus in complete faith at the drop of a word from Christ's mouth, it should be Peter. 
But as we come to our reading from the Gospel today, what do we find? Peter is not nearly as faithful as we really think he should be. After all he has heard and seen, Peter here is not the model of belief. Now, I'm sure you've heard otherwise. I'm sure you've heard uh, this account described this way. If you want to have real faith, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. And see here, Peter, this great courage and example of Peter who gets out of the boat and walks to Jesus. But as we examine the text a little bit more closely, I think what we find is that Peter is really anything but the model of faith. Listen to what actually goes on. So it's, this is what it says. In the fourth watch of the night, so we're talking three, four in the morning, dark outside, and it's stormy. Jesus came to them walking on the sea. But the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. When Jesus comes, he's, he's preaching the gospel. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. This is hardly a great cry of faith. Peter doesn't believe Jesus when he speaks. I mean, this is, this is plain in the text. Jesus comes and says, guys, don't worry, don't be afraid. It's just me. I'm just taking a stroll on the waves. No big deal. Take heart. Don't be afraid. And Peter says, okay, prove it. If it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. Prove yourself to me, Jesus. Now, here's the thing, guys. Faith doesn't say, prove it. Faith trusts. Faith receives a promise and believes it. Faith rejoices in the words that come forth from Jesus' mouth. Faith doesn't say, prove yourself to me or I will not believe. Think about it. When we hear the law of God, for example, faith says that is true, even if it is convicting me, even if it is showing me my sin, even if it is showing me that I am dead in my sin and trespasses and I am in desperate need of a Savior, that law is true and it drives us to repent. Faith, here's the gospel promise, which says, though I am a sinner, though I am someone who has sinned in thought, word, and deed, and I have rejected God and rebelled against God, God has not rejected me, and he sent his son to be my savior, and my sins are forgiven because Jesus says so. Jesus says, you are forgiven, and faith says, amen. Faith hears the word of Christ, and it trusts it. It believes it. It doesn't demand proof. But Peter demands that Jesus prove it. After all he's heard, after all he's seen, Peter, who has experienced more with Christ than any of us could ever possibly dream of, he will not believe the words of Jesus. And so he puts Jesus to the test. Now, interestingly and sort of wonderfully, Jesus decides to play along. But this is just, Jesus is just having fun now. But Jesus decides to play along. Peter says, prove it. And Jesus is like, all right, watch this. Hey, Peter, why don't you come? Why don't you come out to me on the water? You want that for proof? I'll give it to you. Come to me on the water. And now we do get a glimpse. We do have a little hint here now of the faith of Peter. Because what does Peter do? He does what none of us here would have done. He's like, all right, and he gets out of the water, and he starts, he actually does it. He walks on the water, and so now with Peter, 
we have this little glimpse, this little hint of faith. We're thinking now, okay, it worked. Peter's got it. But then what happens? Peter gets to Jesus, and and a couple of things start to click in his mind. Peter knows Jesus, but he also knows other things he knows. For example, Peter is a fisherman. He knows that when you're in stormy weather at the fourth watch of the night, when it is very dark outside, uh, it is hard to navigate the sea when you're in a boat, let alone walking on the water. He knows that this is a, this is a difficult place to be. Further, he's no physicist, but he does understand that people and water generally don't work this way, and he should probably sink at any moment. So he looks and he sees the wind and he sees the waves and suddenly his faith is gone. He's no longer looking to Christ. He's no longer listening to the promise. He sees what he knows. He looks at the world around him. and His faith is gone. And now he is up to his eyeballs and doubt and unbelief and water. Now, for you and I, it's at this point, I think, in the account where we can really identify with Peter. Actually, I think for you and I, it's not hard to identify with Peter throughout this account. I probably would have questioned someone walking on the water as well. And now, when he's right there with Jesus, after he has walked on the water, when he sees the wind and the waves, I can understand why he would start drowning. Because it is so hard for us to hold on to the word of Christ, to trust the word of Christ in the face of everything else going on in the world. I mean, think about this. After all you have heard of Christ, after all you have seen, after all you have received, do you still struggle with doubt? I mean, we have those, those moments, those, well, I don't know, I wish I could find something else to call them, but those sort of spiritual highs where we really feel as though our faith is strong and we're ready to take on the world. Like maybe it happens to you on Sunday morning, right? Like you come here on Sunday and what happens? You hear the word of God. Jesus comes to you in his word. He gives you his very body and blood and bread and wine to eat and drink for the forgiveness of your sins. His word is found on the lips of the preacher to tell you your sins are, your, are forgiven. You are his beloved and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. You leave here with like a, like a benediction confidence because the last word you hear is the Father's word saying to you his face is shining on you and he is going to be gracious to you throughout your entire life. The Holy Spirit has gathered you here into the communion of saints so that you might sing the faith into your heart. It might be preached into your ears and placed on your lips. You have the triune God giving himself to you on this hour every Sunday. And you leave here and your faith is strong and you're ready to face the world. And then you make it like all the way to your car. And the wind and the waves pick up. And you turn on the radio and you hear the political station you were listening to on your drive-in talking about all the hopeless, faith, hopeless things we're facing in the world around. You get home and you look at your calendar and you remember you got, you got chemo on Tuesday. You got that meeting this week that you not wanted to have with your boss. You have that phone message you've been trying to avoid, that conversation you don't want to have. You leave here on Sunday morning knowing that you're leaving church but, but your kids aren't because they don't hold to the same faith that you raised them in. And suddenly, you look around and you're a lot like Peter. The wind and the waves come crashing. The realities of the things you know start to drown out your faith and you become afraid after all you have heard and sung, all the taking and eating, all the taking and drinking out of the, after the very absolution coming forth from the preacher's mouth. It doesn't take long for you to be with Peter 
drowning up to your eyeballs in doubt and fear. So what are we to do with all of this? Well, perhaps it's time for us to uh, to move on, to stop thinking about you and I and Peter and fix our eyes back on Jesus. And instead of thinking about what you and I hear and see and, and how we mishandle it, maybe we should look to Jesus. What does he hear? What does he see? How does he handle it? Well, Jesus is fascinating here. What does Jesus hear? When he hears Peter ask him the question, if you are the Son of God, prove it. He's actually hearing words that he has heard before, not too long ago, really only ten chapters back in Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew chapter 4, where there we had Jesus also hearing from somebody, if you are who you claim to be, prove it. Only there, it wasn't one of his disciples, it wasn't the religious leaders, it was the devil. You remember that out in the wilderness? Right after Jesus is baptized, the Father says, this is my Son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And Satan gets him in the wilderness and says, all right then, prove it. If you are the Son of God, demonstrate it. Bow down to me and do what I say. Now, we're not going to go through that whole account. You and I know how this one goes. Jesus overcomes the devil with his very word and drives the devil out. And now, when Peter hears the word of Christ on the water, and he hears Jesus say, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid, what Jesus hears is really echoes of the devil's influence. If you are, prove it. So what's Jesus going to do with that? What does he see? He sees someone who he has given everything to. He sees someone who he has called to be his disciple, his chief disciple. He sees someone who has received all of his gifts and all of his blessings. And he hears echoes of the kingdom of darkness coming forth from his mouth. So what will he do? What will he do with you and I? who struggle in the same way, who sin in the same way, who look an awful lot like Peter, who received these great gifts and yet still demand that Jesus prove himself. What's he going to do with us? Is he going to send Peter away with Satan? Is he going to treat Peter like he treated those uh, demonic pigs in the Decapolis and he's going to let him drown in the sea? Is that what Jesus is going to do with Peter? Is he going to send you away and say, you know what, come back when you've got it all figured out. I'll let you back in here when you start figuring out how to climb out of the water and start walking on it. Once you do that, then you can be in my presence. Then I will welcome you here. Figure out your problems, straighten out your life, stop your sinning, and then I will let you back into my presence. Is that what Jesus is going to do? Is he just going to let us drown in the water? No. I mean, Lord have mercy. Who would save sinners like us? We know the answer. Jesus. Listen to the text. Beginning to sink, Peter cried out, Lord, save me. Now he's got faith. Catch that? He's finally saying something faithful in the text. Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Well, there you have it. Or probably better said, now there he has you. There Jesus 
has Peter. He pulls Peter out of the water and carries him back into the boat in the arms that will soon be stretched out and nailed to a cross to pay for all of Peter's sins, to die for all of his unbelief and doubt and give him the gift of forgiveness. Here you have Jesus bringing Peter back into the company of a bunch of faith-challenged sinners. Not guys who are in the boat worshiping and praising Jesus the whole time, but guys who don't even have the guts to get out and follow Peter. He brings them back into a company of sinners. All weak and failing, and yet now blessed because Jesus has heard them, has seen them, he knows their situation, and he has walked into their presence so that he might be with them and continue to give him his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, and his love. Peter's faith was so weak, he needed Jesus to carry him back to the boat. But Jesus, of course, did. See, unlike Satan, Peter is someone for whom uh, Jesus came to save. He's one Jesus chose. He's one Jesus loved. He's one Jesus has made promises to, and Jesus committing himself to Peter is not going to go back on his promises. So it is for you. Here again today, Jesus finds you struggling, sinning, doubting, fearing. You've got a whole list, I'm sure. And he reaches out now to you with that very hand that was pierced for your transgressions. And he pulls you out and carries you back in his arms of love and mercy into the boat. And he speaks to you with those lips that rose from the dead. Take heart, do not fear. I forgive you for all of your sins. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Your faith will waver. Your faith will struggle. My promise will always stand firm for I have died and risen for you. And those feet that walked out of the tomb now skip across the waves as he brings you back here. And he's going to do it all over again. Next week, and the week after, and again, and again, and again. Daily and richly, the Lord Jesus loves to come, pick you up, and carry you home. To always be there with the forgiveness of your sins and the promise of life everlasting. He's done it before, and he's going to keep on doing it. But you know that already, right? So why do we need to come back here? Because we're going to forget. We're going to struggle. We're going to doubt. The good news for you today is he will not. He recalls his promises and he leads his people forth with joy. He will do it again and again and have no doubt he will do it for you. So fear not, for Jesus never tires picking you up in his arms and bringing you back into the boat. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for the mercy that you show to us. And Jesus, we give you thanks that you never cease to be our Savior. You are always forgiving us, always loving us, always showing us your promises. Help us, Lord, in the midst of our doubt to trust you and to cling to you. And Lord, we pray you would never leave nor forsake us according to your promise. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.